If you want it, baby, I can show ya. If you want it, I can get to know ya. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. Let me explain as I'm taking it off. Let me explain how I feel about us. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. I can show ya. Okay. Uh, today's episode, I have Israel's favorite son, the most <laughs> chosen donor in Israel, Torum Zara. Welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm great. I'm fine after hearing your uh, kind words. You're very graceful. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I really appreciate uh, inviting me to this uh, show and I appreciate you doing the show and uh, taking the donation world, which is a pretty new thing pretty new phenomena that is growing so rapidly and you're taking it and you're really improving it and uh, thank you for that yeah and obviously we need uh donors around the world to step up and also give a good name um in representation of of how they go about it and you are from israel you're in israel and i think the most second most popular donor in uh based in israel has only four four children You've successfully helped 16 being born already with uh, with four more on the way currently. So, you you know, you're quite popular in terms of uh, other men in Israel. And um, tell us a bit about what the donor scene is like in Israel and what makes you uh, the most popular donor there. So the donor scene in Israel is uh, pretty absent. The uh, demand here for donors is uh, very close to zero because just because the simple of the simple uh, reason that it is not known when a recipient when a woman wants to bear children to have a to create a family and in need of a donor she does not think about the option of having a, a known donor that you can meet and get it straight from him she only thinks about the sperm bank so it's uh, pretty rare and it does not happen a lot. There, it hasn't been in the media, like in other places, and it's not in the paradigm. So I've been uh, posting on uh, Facebook and uh, some uh, uh, co-parenting sites with this uh, uh, option, with the with uh, my offer, and pretty much the only recipients that have come to this uh, uh, arrangement are uh, recipients that have seen my offer. There are only very few who've seen the international uh, known donation uh, uh, phenomena and uh, come from uh, this, uh, from uh, knowing this, but most have just seen my Facebook post and it's a really strange situation where you do not know about this uh, activity going on and you see only one person's offer and you decide to investigate to go meet him most of the recipients that come meet me I'll uh, describe my uh, process late uh, in, in a few minutes but mo- mo- we start with the meeting in a coffee shop, we sit and talk. Uh, this is a bit different from what happens abroad, from what I've experienced. I've been in uh, the UK a few months ago and donated there. So when they sit across me in the coffee shop in the, and uh, see me for the first time, they're still in this belief that this option is real because for them, the opportunity to get sperm, not from a sperm donor, not from a sperm bank, excuse me, is so much better than the only option they thought they had. So they get really excited, many cry. It's a really, I feel privileged to be able to give this uh, 
uh, how do you say gift it gift not gift i mean the person in front of me learns about a new thing uh, she ed- education and your a new opportunity that she didn't thought she had. So it's a special moment. So how did you come across the idea of becoming a sperm donor and doing this in this way that obviously, you know, you had to think outside the box to become a, a known sperm donor as well? I've seen, uh, I've seen a media piece about uh, Ed Huben. I hope I'm saying his name right the donor from, I don't remember if it's Denmark or Netherlands. And in that moment, I learned that there is such a thing. And my, uh, my immediate thought was, that's amazing. That's a win-win situation where you get to help, to give a huge help for someone with, with uh, uh, n- n- not such a big sacrifice from you. So it seemed to me very, very like a very good place to be in. But you have to go back and and uh, because you know it's a pretty it's pretty unusual to think that way. I'm not uh, oblivious to the notion that uh, it's m- most men when they learn about this option, they don't uh, partake in it because they see it differently. So I grew up uh, with uh, my father and uh, I've always got from him the feeling that his kids are the most important thing in the world from him. It's the most important. I felt like his kids, and I'm uh, one of them. For him, it's more important than for him than himself. So this is one thing that was always in the background. And uh, he is in a creative uh, uh, line of work, creative uh, even life mission, you can say. And I asked him, why did you choose this creative uh, job, creative career? And he told me that he wanted to leave something that will stay in the world after him. So I wasn't quite convinced that his creations matter in that way. Um, But I thought that kids children that are so important are the creation that you leave behind you, beyond you for generations. Fast forward, I uh, was in my early 20s. I just finished the mandatory service in Israel of three years in the army. And this is the point where you become a grown man and you start uh, to shape your life the way you want it to be. And I thought to myself, okay, well, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna get married and have children like right away at 22, 23 years old? No, I wanted to experience, I wanted to travel, I wanted to party. I didn't want to settle down so quickly. But uh, choosing that means that I will not have the children that I leave behind me for at least a decade more. So I didn't, I didn't feel quite, uh, happy with that situation because if something happens to me god forbid then i'm left with no continuation no biological continuation and in that exact point it was coincidence fate or whatever i learned that there is such thing as a non-donation so having that uh, kind of philosophy and uh, was the ground of it connecting so fast and seeing the non-donation as a win-win situation. And what about your parents, your father and, and, and your family? Have you, have you told them that you became a donor or is this a, a secret that you currently keep? And Everybody knows. 
my entire family knows at least 10 close friends know when I date someone I tell her very quickly maybe third date I already tell her that I have kids I don't I feel I don't feel something to be kept secret or or hidden have you had any interesting responses from a girlfriends when you say hey I I have you know nearly 20 kids out there now well the responses have been quite mild uh, comparing to the expectations that I had I always uh, feared that they might be like might see it as a deal breaker or something like that but the responses do come in different ways not the, there's a spectrum of responses some are positive some are negative some are like oh that, that's weird like what what the fuck was weird why you do that, that you're kidding me and some are like oh my god that's amazing that you bring so much good to the world doing that so i've got the whole spectrum but it never never been a a, a deal breaker or something that impacted our relationship in any way I've always found it uh, good myself if I'm if I'm dating or considering dating uh, to tell people straight away and see what their reaction is and I think if they're a good person First inside <laughs> I mean if they're a good person inside they um, are very accepting you know if they're a bit selfish or controlling or um, don't have good qualities they might be less uh, approving approving of it but uh, the ones that seem to be more, understanding and think it's a good thing shows that they're potentially a good person as well i agree with you it's a good way of looking at it and i also think that if the person you're talking to you're telling her something she she's never heard before if she feels that you feel comfortable with it then she'll be comfortable with it as well so your first donor conceived baby was born in 2015. Um, so, you know, they're pretty much, the oldest is now around seven years old. What have you noticed in these seven years? Is that they, a lot of them become wanting to ask questions about you or has some been asking to meet you or know more about you? You know, what, what have you noticed along, along this way now as these children start to get older? So my arrangement entails that we are going to get to know each other and meet when the kids are 18. So the whole uh, dealing with the children's questions and stuff like that, I didn't uh, get to experience it yet. I don't know how the mothers are uh, communicating about it with the kids, but... uh, I believe they're doing a good job. With your arrangement, do they send you like photo updates and and tell you how they're going or is it strictly I don't want to know until they're 18? So I get four updates from the mothers. First one is the success, the amazing two stripes on the stick. I get that. Then I get the uh, sex of the baby the update of it being born and uh, the name they choose. Everything after that is voluntary. Some others like to send more pics, videos, stories about the children. I love getting it. I love seeing it, watching it. But I do not request it or pressure them to send or something like that. If the mother likes it, she will send. If not, that's fine too. What traits do you have that you think are great to pass on to these children? Like, obviously, you've got to be comfortable with your genetics and uh, your IQ. I've seen you've posted before and some recipients are beyond belief. They think you might be a fake person because they think you look too much like a, a model. I got I got good pictures from a professional photographer, so it, it works. I I I think the most important uh, trait or feature, however however you gonna call it, is that the mother feels comfortable with me. 
she feels com comfortable with her choice to use me. And that's the thing that will have the biggest projection going forward. And this is the, the biggest gift. Traits are, you know, coming and going. I don't, if she likes my traits and stuff, that, that's great, it, but uh, it's not it's not the it's not the the essence of the deal. The essence of the deal is being able to be to choose to really choose a person that you can experience either by sitting with him in a in a cafe or uh, by seeing his uh, photos. And uh, I, I was quite uh, amazed by the differences between uh, how recipients abroad choose and how recipients in Israel choose. Because in Israel, we have a long process and we talk a lot and we meet at least once before. And the recipients in the UK, they just wanted it to be like fast food. Like, okay, we just let's meet and when I ovulate and... and I had to convince them to have a talk before, to at least have a video chat before we we go on. So maybe maybe the recipients in Israel choose by a different criteria. Maybe they are more uh, motivated by the fact that they can experience the person, but. This is the biggest value I like to give. So do you find that because in the UK, there seems to be a lot of population there looking for sperm donor and it's just very, I guess, informal. It's just, hey, like, can we get your sperm at this date? I'm ovulating here. And they just want to skip all the stages and just get straight to the baby and, and they don't really care too much about what about the donor or negotiate the terms or anything they're just you know the bit more carefree i guess yeah they're uh, maybe maybe it's because the it saves them a lot of money in the uk sperm donations are pretty expensive but uh I don't know if carefree is the word, word but it's, it definitely feels better to donate here. But uh, there, there is not, not many opportunities to donate here. The demand is very small. So what is Israel like? Uh, is, you know, does a lot of people use donors from the sperm bank? Is there single mothers by choice? Is, is there same sex allowed there? Uh, you know, is donating outside of a clinic legal? You know, what is the Jewish the Jewish laws and all that around around in your in that country? So basically, it's legal. It's legal, uh, though there have has been a few legal problems when uh, Ari Nagel tried to donate here. They didn't like the idea of him storing frozen sperm in Israel. But other than that, if you don't use a clinic and it's pretty legal, if you don't uh, freeze your sperm for multiple different recipients uh, all in the same clinic. Um, about half of my recipients are same-sex couples and the other half are single ladies. How do you describe your tour in UK, was it a good experience? You know, did you get to go around, travel each each town? You know, how many people did you end up coming across and meeting or feeling that you could donate to as opposed to maybe saying no, um, they didn't fit criteria on who you may help? Yeah, but how would you sum up that whole tour? So my criteria, my first criteria for donating is assessing that the person the recipient would keep the arrangement, would do good on the contract, on would uh, basically not uh, try to change it or not abide by it in any 
in a way. So I found many that uh, do feel that way. Problem with the UK that it's, I wanna say that it's a big country. You, you may laugh, the, the Americans hearing this may laugh, but it's a big country uh, comparing to Israel. So you can talk to many people, but they're all far away. Yeah. So the main obstacle to donating in the UK was distance. Other than that, I was I found seven that I did donate to. Uh, two pregnancies were achieved. One was lost, and uh, there's gonna be a baby boy born in, about in uh, February. How important is it to you? You know, when you go traveling and you meet to a different country, and you help a parent or a person there have that baby you know does that make you remember the the tour or your, your your travel in that time you know that you've been able to help a little gift in in that area that you went across it in that in that certain period of time well it it does make the make you feel that you achieved more on the trip um but also put constraints on the trip because it changes your uh, schedule. Uh, I, I do, I'm happy that I could do that uh, and be exposed to the donation scene in the UK. It was a learning experience and seeing that uh, I can donate abroad was uh, fun. I, I don't know, I, I do plan to come back and uh, maybe donate more abroad in the future. Uh, not sure when and how. In the meantime, I donate here. I'm pretty content with it. I also feel like I go there and I donate there and I'm kind of leaving behind the recipients in Israel that are waiting to try every month. And when, when, when you miss a cycle, it's really sad. For them and i don't like to disappoint them so how many people are you currently helping in israel at the moment between five and eight so that's there that, are it's a pretty good uh amount of people that you're helping per month over there so you, you seem to be quite busy yeah yeah there is no there is no shortness of uh, recipients uh, right now. Has uh, any asked for you to freeze your sperm like Ari Nagel or is you just like, what methods do you use? So basically my default method is the cup and syringe. Yep. Great method. Most of the kids uh, were helped that way. Sometimes when there's a need for another method, we discuss it and uh, we might uh, stray from the default. But uh, basically that's the default offer. Uh, so you find that's the easiest way to donate, you know, yes, more time, um, less time consuming or practical or, you know, just um, if you do other methods, does it have to evolve a bit more um, putting time aside, I guess? Yeah, you can say that. And it's the most sterile, clean, straightforward method. Works great. There are some skeptics, but it worked, works uh, pretty well. So how, how do you manage your donations then? Do you get the ladies to do uh, ovulation tests and send them to you and then you decide when you're going to come in and donate? Uh, like how do you arrange... You know, someone was looking for you in Israel and they're saying, okay, we meet, we get to know each other. Okay, um, uh, we're ready to go. We both agreed on in terms and, and helping. And then that, what do they do? They, they get their app and do they then start testing and then they say, hey, my result's positive now. Can we try? Like, what? how does that all, all work for you? Pretty much like that, you know, you know pretty straightforward. You get uh, positive important to get the recipient to send you a photo of the strip because many see 
like a faint line that is not a positive yet and they might assume it's positive but not and when it is positive it's the best day to try though the positive is only indicative of 24 hours before the true the true ovulation day as you must know yeah it is quite amazing how many women see a, like a, a faint line and go oh well let's try now and it's just like well that's not positive that's that doesn't mean positive it means it's getting it's getting there but it's not there yet <laughs> um, I, I totally get them because they're eager to try already it's a huge <laughs> thing it's a huge thing for them a huge change in their lives and they're so so you know anxious about it and want to so many emotions come with it and i i love love experiencing that and but you know after donating so much you're you i got more chill and calm and they're like all excited and i'm like all relaxed and i, and I love that di- dynamic but it's because you've got experience now isn't it you know you've helped 20 pregnancies before that not including any miscarriages so you've seen the timing and how important it is in terms of getting a positive result. And you want to donate to um, the best strategy in achieving that result. And I think because you've got the experience and they don't, they necessarily want donations or think extra donations um, can uh, give them extra chance. But in reality... It doesn't. It's just that you need that positive timing result for artificial yeah. insemination. Yes. Some recipients, they, they want to get more donations and maybe some even ask you for, please give me a donation for an entire week, seven days, straightforward. And I can't do that because I got other recipients and I got my love life and I got my schedule and stuff that like, it can't be readily available for that and also a single donation is already putting most of your of the potential into you know using it it is already using most of the probability so it's the most efficient way now when i was a young donor when i was uh, an inexperienced donor i would accommodate those uh, sometimes those requests and give two or three times and it was very consuming. I was also so scared and, and not relaxed when I was a new donor. I really, I really thought that things can go wrong and that the recipient won't, uh, won't keep the agreement and stuff like that. I was more uptight and now I'm, after, after seeing that works i'm uh, more relaxed and as a more relaxed donor i can give more value to the recipient that uh, goes through this uh, life-changing process and she can get uh, calmer energy do you uh, remember your first donation my first donation yeah yeah i remember <laughs> My first donation, uh, it's a bit of a farce story, so I'll tell it. Uh, I was going, I went to their house. Now, I, I don't do it anymore. I let them come to me because it's very time consuming. But I went to their, to their place two hours away from me, two hours drive. We tried they were kind of uh, spiritual, had all kinds of, uh, they asked me to channel this energy and that energy. Anyways, we did, didn't work. Month later, I, we needed to try again because it didn't work. And it was heavy snowing. I w- went to my car to start uh, driving to their place. And the snow just covered was too high for the car to move the car was stuck i 
So I told them the car is stuck in the snow. I can't get to you. And they they threw a fit. They were like angered by it. They thought I'm not started saying that I'm not serious and uh, didn't uh, didn't take it uh, uh, calmly. So we parted our ways. First donation didn't work. No no success on that. And uh, my first success, I don't remember the donation day, but I remember the, the day she sent me the positive. I was in a, a hotel in Ibiza. We, I was young and going to parties all the time. And I was just before going to the party, I got a text from her with the image and it was just blissful it was it just i was so happy seeing that for the first time after the previous attempt was not uh, you know the previous couple was not uh, uh, going so well and uh, just uh, went to the party and uh, celebrated it I mean, is there, is there mixed emotions? Like, are you going, whoa, is there like going to be a baby born now? Um, is there a bit of scared still as in terms of, oh, I hope they keep to the agreement? You know, is there like lots of butterflies? I think your first baby that you help conceive is a little bit of a shock still. Yeah, it was a shock. A lot of feelings. I would think about it a lot. I had an emotional process with myself just thinking about it and about my life now and how it's going to be and how it's going to be in the future and who's that person and how she's going to be. It's a, the first one is a girl. And after that process, I found myself to be in a good place, in a balanced place. Felt that uh, it's, it feels natural for me to donate more and uh, to give that gift again. You've been around for several years now. Um, you seem really comfortable um, at, at doing the gift now. Is this something that you uh, continue to do for a long time ahead, or have you, you know, have you had, have you got plans on, um, you know, how much more you would help? You know, what what's your view on that? You know, like, do you plan on having your own children, get married one day, settle down, or are you thinking uh, more tours in in different countries? travel uh to um different parts of the world and, and help people where yeah where are you at now in terms of assessing uh you know how you've been so far in your donor career so i do believe that uh, one day i'll have a family uh, children of my own that i can raise myself and give them my values and my uh my upbringing and uh, so, so now I'm uh, single. I don't have uh, any anything uh, developing in that front. But I do believe it. It has always been my one of my great uh, 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 goals. Um, donating. I don't have a, a target number. I don't have. A, I don't. Uh, I don't know when I'll stop, but I think of that in a way that as long as it's giving value to the world and that it's doing a positive impact, I feel comfortable continuing. When it'll stop doing that, I'll stop. Or when it will stop giving me value, when I'll be, if it will hurt me or something like that, then I'll stop. Have you thought about once you have your own family and, and children, uh, are you going to, as they grow up, are you going to tell them, hey, you've got um, uh, other half-siblings out there from, from me being yeah, a donor? Yeah, of course. 
of course they have a right to know i don't believe in secrets i believe i believe that uh, yeah of course they and also the even if i would think of doing that the, they would find out that you you cannot we're past the age of uh, uh, secrecy and uh, you cannot you cannot hide stuff like that and also i believe that they will enjoy having siblings having uh, more people that are in their image and that uh, can be their friends and i think it's amazing that we are in an age in an age of siblings that do not cohabit that they do get the closeness of being relatives from on one hand but they don't have do not have that competition for resources that happen when you live under the same roof and you like and you fight all the time and that tension is being uh, divided and uh, there is jealousy and all that that's a good way of uh, putting it and uh, I guess um, you know so each one can enjoy each other's um, company or or their relationship with each other without that uh i guess that sibling rivalry that can be competitive and can cause some uh tears and 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 hard fights and all that um this way sort of avoids that i guess by having these children growing up in different households is it's an interesting perspective that you you put across there i believe in the power of network and community and uh, that will have a huge network and community believe that it will develop to uh, connections and bonds that will support them and give them a, a strength and a, a, how do you say advantage does um any of your mothers know each other or contact each other and talk about the children or or they're very private at the moment a few know, a few have uh, found each other one way or another. I believe that when the kids will start being in a, in a, a literary age, a bit more when they are more proficient uh, in uh, using uh, uh, digitized communication, uh, maybe around the age of 10, they will find each other so fast. And, uh, you know... That's the the whole thing that you said before. There's there's no secrecy anymore. There's you know so there's no point keeping secrets because people will find each other, whether you assist or or not. Yeah. So, what do you, you know? You said that at the age of eighteen they can contact you, but what what happens if these children start finding you and? And tracking you down before then, you know, what, what's, what's your plan? Hello, let's talk when you're right in. <laughs> Fair enough. And is there, um, is there a set rule in your mind of, of why um, 18's the number? You know, like you don't maybe like the children's stage, like you like them more as an, an adult or, yeah, what's the you know, the theory or the guideline behind that being something that you're comfortable with? It's a great question. I, I don't, I'm not sure I have an answer for that because it's pretty arbitrary, the age of 18. Why, why can you vote when you're 18? What, why is anything? It's, it felt like a good starting point because when the kid's 18, is not a kid anymore though that uh, in the western world we're kids until we're 30 but starting point i might you know uh, get to you know when, when the first kids will start uh, turning up 18 i might say okay i don't mind talk to me when you were 16 i don't know or maybe i'll think that all oh, my 18 is too young i should have put 20 i i don't know <laughs> I, I will i i i learn i will learn a lot of things when 
when uh, the first ones will come. First ones, there's like 10 and a half years to the first ones, they'll come. And I will experience it, see how it is. And then I could tell you if it was a good uh, uh, age or not, but there's not too much thought put into that. And what about 20, 30 years from now? Um, obviously, a lot of them would have reached out to you by then. There'll be a lot of, um, I guess you would have maybe helped another um, 20 people maybe. So potentially there could be 50 children um, around from your help. You know, how do you see that? Do you see you having parties or um, get-togethers or friendships? Like how do you imagine your life being at that age with, with more siblings like that from your help? I hope I can give them value that the, the experience for them to meet me will make them feel good and uh, feel valid. And that's, that's my main, main goal regarding that. Uh, I will, I put a lot of uh, effort thinking about how, how will I do it? And I will, probably going to a frenzy six months before the first one comes and uh, get uh, uh, consult with professionals or do some preparation work to see what's uh, what I'll be up against. And that will guide my my uh, approach to that uh, situation and if i can make them feel feel uh, feel better I, I mean if i can make them things if i can be there for them that's the that's what will make me think that uh, i've uh, being successful in that how do you see other donors in the world like have you gone by them or watched how they do it to get a feeling on um adequate or or you've seen what someone does that you go that's not professional or i don't like that you're in a, a world that there's other guys that are donating as well and some are setting good examples and some are setting bad examples how does that influence you? If, has that had any input, like any donors out there that you've looked at and observed? So, yeah, I've seen many, many, many donors through the media, Facebook groups. And there's a whole spectrum. Uh, donors are very, can be very different from each other. Some I see in a very positive aura. See donors that uh, truly that are very that their interaction with the recipients is very positive, and because you know you take a situation that can be uh, difficult for recipients, and you can make it more difficult. And some donors do that, and others make it more simple and light and uh, direct it to a good way. And one thing that is common to many donors, not saying that uh, it's a, uh, has to be, that it is like only a bad thing, but many donors are lone wolves. And uh, when I saw you, when you reached out to me, I didn't know you before that, I saw that you're very engaging socially and uh, not being a lone wolf. And I, I thought it was amazing because you attract positive light to shine on this uh, field or sector or, or phenomena, however you want to call it. And uh, it's very positive for us and for uh, recipients. Yeah, I mean, look, for me, I want to set a good example. I want recipients to 
join my communities and and feel safe and i want them to um feel that you know that they can have their dream of having a baby uh without any um drama any um uh bad experience and also by setting an example of of how i i donate and the people who i talk to and getting their message out and, and asking you questions as well that other other people can listen to. They can say, I like what he does here, or I um I haven't thought much about this either. I can maybe start to think a bit more about this. And it gets people thinking, um, you know, what we can do to be better people. And I think by having these conversations out there and uh, and allowing people just to listen to genuine people talk, can reassure them as well and it's, it's quite it's quite a helpful resource to put out there and uh you know i love helping people and it doesn't necessarily have to be from my sperm it can be just as much from yours or the people that you help in israel or, or the people you help abroad it could be you know someone else that wants to become a donor as well that you know like you like we spoke about the nerves and the feeling of, of doing it the first time and and uh, how it, you know eventually it does become a more calming experience where you feel more comfortable once you uh, feel more safer. You know we want people to feel safer um, to, more earlier to to begin with. So basically, you're making it real. You're taking this proposition that uh, people come across, recipients, women come across on the internet, and you just create here an explosion of information through your podcast uh, that uh, makes it real. Because w- when you first see a proposition, the, the first thing people think is in a cynical way of, okay, what's the catch or what the hell, or maybe it's fake, someone just just playing with us. Mm. And uh, making it real is giving a lot of value to recipients that uh, really see that as something that will change their whole experience of creating a child. For some recipients, it would even enable creating a child because they would not do it any other way. What are your views on the clinics, particularly in uh, Israel? You know, do you have faith in them? Do you do you feel their system's outdated? Um, it's not something that it's not really an approach that you prefer to do. Obviously, you like the known donor, you know. But what's um, yeah. you know, is there lots of uh, stuff ups, mishaps that happen there? You know, like uh, mistakes or carelessness. You know, what what's your personal opinion of them? Well, I think that they help. A lot of recipients get a family, and that's uh, a good thing. Uh, I think that uh, there have been horrible things happening that were uncovered here in Israel. The things like a recipient, a donor being described completely different in different banks same donor donating to a few banks and being described different. His features and important ones were like complete opposite in different banks. And it was the same donor. There's a group in Israel that did that does the genetic testing to thousands of donor-conceived persons. And they found those discrepancies and they found many, many lies that were marketed by the sperm banks. But having said that, I think that uh, sperm banks, they do give a solution. It's not the best ones, not the best solution. That's why so many recipients come in growing numbers for our alternative solution. And I would not donate there. I think that every child comes from a story. 
Some come from the story of a man and a woman falling in love, getting married. Some come from a story of going to the sperm bank and doing a transaction where you give money and you get DNA. Is that the best story you can get? Mm. I think there's a better story, better story. But that's a legitimate story. You can purchase if a solution if that solution gives you more value. Great, do it. You, in that solution, you don't have to uh, deal with me that I want to have a conversation before. <laughs> and you don't have to. You don't have to sign the agreement with me. You don't have to uh, imagine a scenario where the donor comes and sues for uh, custody, which is a pretty far-fetched one since if you have 20 kids, why would you and you kept the arrangement, the agreement that you are signed on? For so many years, why would you come for a single recipient? Also, there's always this uh, few recipients who tell you that if you want to have more involvement, you are welcome. So why would you come to the recipient who uh, does not want that? But anyways, you get some certainty from the sperm bank, certainty in a, in a, Uh, in a specific uh, some specific uh, things like custody but you get less certainty in other things like uh, the traits that the donor have and uh, the motivations of the sperm bank and of the donor and all kinds of stuff there are differences and every recipient should uh, choose her uh, path and I hope just that uh, the option of getting a direct donation from a true donor is more known. So recipients can do, can have a, their true choice being exercised. Yeah, I think it's um, really amazing and surprising that some of these stories that I've heard from women They go, oh, I read his profile and I knew he was the one. And and I'm just like, wow, like, um, you know, or they go, I heard a voice clip. They do a voice clip and it was a short voice clip, but you get to listen to him, you hear their voice. And and I and I knew he was the one. I knew he was the donor. And I'm just thinking nothing beats sitting down face to face, seeing someone's mannerisms, asking all the questions, and feeling comfortable for when the child turns 18, um, in your case, that they feel comfortable for that child meeting that, as opposed to not knowing potentially what that guy is actually really like. Yeah, and the whole setting, you have to look at the whole more complicated set of, uh, uh, how do you say incentives one is a business and the other is comes from within the person and you can sit across him and evaluate what are what are his motives do i connect to his motives do you feel now that you're more experienced you know you've got 20 children as you said you know there's you know why would you come after one person for custody or anything, you know, now that you've got that under your belt in terms of, you know, you've, you've got a reputation now of helping people and people not having um, bad uh, dealings with you. Do you feel it's more easier now to sell yourself as a donor? Like, cause your reputation has already been proven in this field as opposed to a new donor that starts tomorrow who hasn't helped anyone and, and they don't know how he will react once a child's born? Is it more safer option for uh, women to pick a, a more experienced donor? Yeah, I feel that the experience point is very selling because they sit across and they ask me directly, well, how do I know you won't come and... Uh, this and that and that. 
And I tell, I tell them, I didn't, go, I didn't come for the previous 20. Why would I come for you? And I tell them everything that I told you and they feel much safer because nothing, nothing beats experience. And I admire my first recipient. If you'll hear this sometime in the future, just know that I admire you for taking the gamble on me and being the first. I, that's truly amazing in my eyes. It's such a huge gamble and, and it shows the huge value that she got from it because you don't make such a gamble unless you get from it so much and that is just mind-blowing and you know like people will say they remember their first job or first girlfriend or first kiss or you know like in moments in life there's many firsts um you know you never had your own children yet so for, for myself i actually had uh, was married previously and, and and had two of my own kids so but i mean like for you person when you first start as a, as a single man being a donor that they're investing that first person that ever invests in you because you're giving them essentially your first biological child and you're giving it to them as a gift you can sort of see how people might think you know you might want more or it might be so much more special and, me and meaningful to you it is a bit of a, a gamble to begin with, I guess, when picking a, a, a new donor and being, uh, I guess, the guinea pig and seeing how, how they might react after the child is born. Yeah. So the first kid, I think it's special for every, every donor, the first kid. It's something that uh, I, I, I'd like to hope so because, you know, that there might be donors out there that get the first kid and they're like, uh, well, okay, so whatever, I was playing this video again, let's get back to that. But uh, I believe that the majority, it's, it's very special. It's, it's the, there's a change. Something is changing. There's some, it's, it is. So um, it is, it was. And when I have my first child that I raise that is part of my nuclear family then it will be special in its own way it's a different way that it's special uh, I mean maybe I'm just uh, rambling and you tell me you've experienced <laughs> it. but you had it reverse in reverse well you know there's, so, there's no rules and, and, and books to how you know, there's some people that go, oh, I um, would like to donate, but I want to have my children first, uh, my own children first, and that stops them from being a donor first. You know, there's people put different little rules on themselves and restrictions, whereas you're like, well, I want to live life first. I'm going to um, uh, party. I want to travel. Uh, and then I want to settle down later. But in the meantime, I'm happy to donate and um and help people have children. So, you know, you, that's how, where you got your head at and that's how you decided to do it. And you obviously decided that having your own child uh, with your own family, eventually it's, it wasn't the be all and end all of it had to be uh, a child that you raised first. There's a difference between having a child, making a child and being a father. And when I'll become a father, it will be very special. Well, you've got many things to look forward to in life and uh, sounds like fatherhood may be one of them. Um, I'm not sure. You said you're currently single, so I'm not sure, ladies. If you listen to this now and you want to hit him up as a, <laughs> as a boyfriend, you can do that. Otherwise, you can hit him up as a donor. I'm sure uh, Torum is uh, happy to potentially travel more and, you know, if you like the sound of him and and, and feel that, You'd like to use his sperm to have a have a child. You, you know, you can reach out to him in the show notes. There will be um, uh, a, some contact information there where you can find him and uh, have a chat to him if, if you like. If you like what you heard today, and you know, sound like a very level-headed, open-minded person that uh, you know is in is 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 located in Israel, and uh, you know, he's the most popular choice there by far. I appreciate you coming on to, um, the show today and, you know, giving us some insight and giving us some, uh, 
you know, views on Israel and, and how it's going over there and what the trends are and, uh, you know, the comparing it to the UK, the, you know, the cultures of, of the recipients. And uh, it's all very interesting. You know, it's good to see different countries coming forward and developing and, and, and allowing this uh, known donor way of, of prospering. Thank you so much for having me and uh, being in the front of our emerging community and doing uh, so much to develop it. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for coming on today. It was, a, it was my pleasure. So uh, take care. And uh, yes, everyone, you can find the information about him on the show notes. Uh, it's going to wrap it up for the year now. 2022 is a wrap. 2023. It's going to be a bit exciting. I'm planning on a bit of travel myself. I'm hoping to get over to Europe uh, later in the year, around September, October. I'm hoping, you know, one day to uh, maybe visit Israel myself. You never know. You never know where this uh, being a donor takes you. So, you know, we might be able to catch up for a beer or a party one day uh, as well. So, you will <laughs> show you the Tel Aviv nightlife. Ah, yeah. See, I, that's the thing about the dining world. You can make some great friends here and it's it's a fascinating world that I'm, I'm involved in and I love coming across uh, great guests and people like yourself. So anyway, take care. Catch you later. See you all. Thank you. All the best. <laughs>